This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 144 of the Stable Scoop Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. Doc Carlton and Sidelines Magazine. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. This episode is sponsored by Equestrian Collections. For the whole universe of equestrian shopping, at your fingertips at a price you can afford at equestriancollections.com. Plus, for the ultimate in horse treats, visit Uncle Jimmy's, and you can find them at uncle-jimmy's.com. Jennifer H. And I am Glenn the Geek, and you're listening to the Stable Scoop Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. Yes, I am here with my lovely wife, Jennifer, who's also the producer of the Horses in the Morning Show. I like that. The producer. Yeah, we could call you the producer from now on. There was a movie <laughs> like that, wasn't there? Um, Broadway play. Yes, Oh, that's right. The producers. That's yeah. right. Yeah. We never got to see that. That's one I actually did want to see. Should I, should I be, am I Jason Lane, or am I Matthew Broderick? Uh, boy, that's a good question. <laughs> I'm not answering that because I'm the husband. You can plead the fifth. No that's right, right answer. I'm not, I'm not going there. <laughs> so, everybody, uh, Helena will be back again next week. We did manage a couple of the interviews and the guests we have this week. She was able to participate in, but uh, just had a, a schedule conflict. So she'll be back again next week on Stable Scoop as usual. Jennifer and I are here to guide you through the program today. And we do have two great guests for you. One is Erin Gilmore. She's the web editor of Sidelines Magazine. And Sidelines Magazine is one of those fun... Ma- it's very unusual in the horse world. I think it's the only one, actually. Sidelines is the parade magazine no it's people they like to say they're the people magazine of the horse it's people magazine it's chock-a-block full of really great stories about the people involved in horses um more more than the horse themselves you're probably a lot less likely to see training tips no no training tips than you are um fashion but if you want to know who's wearing what and who's dating who then uh, sidelines magazine is for you or who got hurt recently so that that we're going to be bringing that to you here uh very shortly, we did an interview with Aaron Gilmore from Sidelines Magazine a little earlier in the week, and uh, we're, we'll be happy to bring that to you. And then you and Helena got to talk to Doc Carlton. Let me tell you, uh, well, we'll tell him in a little bit here when we met Doc Carlton and why we had him on the show. <laughs> so, but first, let's talk about one of our sponsors, and that's Uncle Jimmy's. You know, Uncle Jimmy's makes the best horse treats out there. They're fun. Uh, first of all, the marketing is genius. Uh, you know, Uncle Jimmy's hanging balls. How can you beat that, Uncle Jimmy's squeezy buns? And, you know, one of the products that we really like is Uncle G- Jimmy's squeezy buns. But he has a new product. You just talked to him about the other day. Uncle Jimmy's hanging balls but it's the big ball right it's the big licky the big licky that's the big right licky. um yeah it's really awesome his his now famous um uncle jimmy's licky thing uncle jimmy's licky thing which is the hanging horse treat that's both a toy and a treat because you hang it from the ceiling of your barn and he has to chase it around to lick it just like he chases his friends to play lip tag on halters and they've decided to make a super sized one for horses who are on stall rest or spend a lot of time indoors where they really spend a lot of time chasing the toy. 
and it's an awesome product. It's another great quality product from Uncle Jimmy's, and it will last and last and entertain your pony for hours on end. So he spends less time sticking his hay net in his mouth and using it for a chew toy. Well, and he, they also have a product if you're concerned about sugar consumption, like with the molasses and things that are in horse treats. They have a sugar-free version of Uncle Jimmy's Hanging Balls, so you can check that That's out right. also on their website. And their website is uncle-jimmies.com. We highly recommend it. And of course, they're for sale at most tax shops and feed stores across the country look for them and if your tax shop isn't carrying them tell them they need to get in uncle jimmy's brands of products well let's get our first guest on here jennifer this is an interview that helene and i did earlier in the week with aaron gilmore web editor of sidelines magazine well hi aaron and welcome to the stable scoop show Thank you. Happy to be here. Well, you know, it was fun. I got to meet Aaron uh, a couple months ago at a, a conference we were at together, and we got to hang out and chat. And Aaron works for one of the most unique magazines in the horse world, and I like it because it's different. You know me, Helena. I just like the different stuff. I don't like when everything's the same. So, you know, and then she handed out the magazines. I hadn't seen one in a while. And she handed out the magazines there, and I, I sat down and I read it the next day, and it was like, okay, we got to get Aaron on a show to talk about about your magazine. So tell everybody who you work with. Right. Well, I work with Sidelines Magazine, and you're right. We are different, and we're different in a really special way. We like to call ourselves the people magazine of the horse world. You know what's and- funny? is I said to Helena, and I didn't know you were going to say that. I said to Helena before we started recording, I said, they're the people magazine of the horse world, but I'll never say that because I don't want to insult them. And there, you did it. <laughs> no, no, it says it right there on our Facebook page, actually, that people like to call us people magazine of the horse world because we write about the people in the horse world for the disciplines we cover. We cover all the Olympic discipline, um, actually not ringing, and polo and fox hunting, too. And, you know, have you ever seen it, Helena? Have you seen this one yet in person? Uh, a while ago. I haven't seen a current uh, issue of it, but... Um, you see it on the you see it in the tax shops and, and yeah. places like that, but, you know, we want to get more people interested in it because you do the kind of things that Helena and I love, and that's the social aspect of... Of, of riding, and you really get into the people's lives, right. and sometimes they must hate you for it, by the way. i got to ask you about that, too. <laughs> but, but, you know, you do cover, you know, kind of who's dating who and doing that kind of thing, too. And, we do. We try. When they tell us, that is. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, you know what I picture? I picture Aaron out spying at all the parties. and She's in <laughs> the back the of the room. 500 Zoom lens. That's right. She's there with her I Zoom. I just have my spies. My spies report back to me. <laughs> you have people. You have people. Yeah, people. <laughs> but it's, no, it's true. You know, it's, it's, um, we are like, I always hear this. Oh, the horse world is so small. And I think that's a great thing. I love to hear when so-and-so is going out with so-and-so or these people know each other. And because it, I think even though it can get a little testy sometimes, to me, it's comforting to know that we're all connected, that it's a, it's a community. Well, yeah. We are we are all connected, and we try and stay away from the testy side of it when when possible. We, but we also do bumps and bruises. Who's fallen off lately? Who's getting better? Who moved? Who who bought a horse? All kinds of things. Uh, See bumps engaged. and bruises. Perfect. Hey, Helena is yeah. now sitting there right now with a knee brace on because she fell off. Can we get her in the next edition? Oh no! Oh yes! Radio celebrity gets I didn't dumped. Fall off. <laughs> I didn't get dumped. It was a beautifully executed flying. 
dismount. Okay? Right. It just happened to be into a ditch. I'll send you the details in my own writing, and we'll, we'll make it really yeah, salacious. Do, yeah, okay, that's, good. that's the kind of thing that we, that we like to put in the magazine. See? What's going on with first people? That's right. Can, we, can, we, can you send me a picture they... with your brace on there, Helena, so she can publish that, too? Sure. <laughs> my eyes are rolling. Like, yeah. Aaron, tell us about the history of sidelines. Who thought of this and, and said, oh, we need a people magazine for the horse world? Well, that was Samantha Charles. She's the publisher. And when she was living in Florida about 20, 25 years ago, she was working for polo newspapers, just kind of dailies that covered what was going on in polo. And she, through her experiences in that, started Sidelines, and Sidelines also started out as a polo newspaper, but it evolved, and then she started covering some jumpers and then some dressage people, Um, but polo has always stayed sort of one of the foundations of the magazine. We do try and cover a lot of polo, even though most of our readers now are hunter-jumper riders and adventurers and dressage riders. That's where I remember, that's how I... That's what I associate with sidelines is polo, and I think that's probably why I didn't pick. I haven't picked it up in a while because yeah, I right, haven't played right. polo well, but, uh, <laughs> recently. <laughs> not to say that polo isn't worth writing about and reading about because it's a great sport. I played it myself for about five years, but we've uh, we sort of expanded where we have these five or six disciplines that we cover, and there are always people to talk about in all of those disciplines, as you know. So we have a lot of fun interviewing people and finding out who's coming up or maybe a horse story. We also have a strong focus on rescue horses. We have a column called Second Chances. It's all about success stories uh, from horses that have been rescued from various situations. So we try and we try and give back in that way. We post needy nags for free. Needy nags are horses that are in need of homes that rescues will send us, and we'll put those in the magazine every month. And we, we help to rehome a lot of horses in that way, actually. Tell me, um, well, I got to tell you, Erin, just as a side note, that my wife's birthday was on Monday, and I got her and her best, or uh, or her friend down here who she rides with, a polo lesson. So, yes, and they're so excited about doing, you know, I think every horse girl would love to try polo, but never get the chance to. Tell your wife to be careful because I tried it in college just sort of as something new and I got addicted and then I was, I ended up with half a dozen polo horses. No, see, no, 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 see, no, 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 Aaron, no, that's not going to happen. I did warn them the other day at lunch, both of them, I said, no addictions to polo. That's too darn expensive. Then you need a big trailer to haul them and all of that and seven saddles and, you know, just. That's true. That's true. It does take a lot of equipment. It's a good spectator sport, too. It is a terrific spectator sport. Helena and uh, I and and our families have been to a few polo matches together, haven't we, Helena? Yes, we have indeed. And I took a polo lesson once. Yes, you did. That's right. did. It was really hard. Did did that end in an unplanned flying dismount? (laughs) Well, no, no. It it didn't, actually, although it should have. She can come back anytime she wants. (laughs) You know, Glenn, I think I'm going to go out back and throw a couple of burgers on the grill and some fries with some butter and then a big fat diet. No, big fat Coke. All right. So 
um, where were we now? <laughs> <laughs> sidelines. So you're really, you're, you're diversifying. There's a lot more to sidelines than, than what it once was. Give us an example of, um, I, I'm looking online at, at what's in your current issue, and you have some categories like in-gate, sides, and off-center line. What, what does well, the in-gate? Those are, those are our three gossip columns, and those are our three most popular columns, actually. People, that's where people can submit their gossip, and we put those together each month. In-gate is for the hunter-jumpers, off-center lines for the dressage and eventers, and sides is for the polo people. So you'll see when you start reading it, we'll talk about dressage riders doing this and that in off-center line, and who's broken up and maybe who got hired and in-gate for the hunter-jumper world. So, And those columns are all also online, too. I love this. I love this magazine. I they have to talk get about this. who got married and yeah, uh, right, and, and all this Actually, stuff. And within sidelines, we, we've had a couple of weddings lately. Our staff writer Jan Westmark just got married last week, and Samantha just got engaged. So I hope she doesn't mind me. Well, her congratulations, Samantha. Um, yeah, yeah, and I want to ask you because you know you were a polo player for a lot of years before you did Sidelines Magazine. Did they ever write scandalous things about you? <laughs> no, I was small time. They only concentrate on the polo celebrities. Oh, okay. Well, that was my next question is how do you decide who to feature in the magazines? And do you, uh, you know, obviously some people submit their news to you, but then what kinds they of do, but information? Our, well, our editor, our, our editor, Neil Henderson, she kind of keeps her finger on the pulse of what's going on. And she has a polo staff writer, Danica Rice, who reports back to her and tells her, you know who's interesting this month and maybe who we want to write about or what horse. Um, Lauren Giannini, she covers our eventers and Jan covers our juniors. So we're all kind of out there paying attention to our respective disciplines and, and just deciding who who we like that month and who who's done something or maybe had a good result. Or, you know, it's all about the people. So it's always changing, which keeps it really interesting. I see a relationship developing here. Last mm-hmm. year, and I think Helena's is going to get what I'm going to say in about two seconds and go. Yes. Oh, I got it already. You I do? Got it already. Oh, Last yeah. <laughs> year on the Horses in the Morning Horse Radio Network, we sponsored the Hottest Horseman's Contest. <laughs> and we had, Did you now? We had different categories, and we chose the Hottest Horseman in different categories. I see a relationship for the 2011 with Sidelines Magazine, and we need to do this together. I think we do. I think you're really on to something. I That's do, too. popularity contest, you know. Yeah, and I kind of wonder how many of your magazines are sold to women who don't read the articles, just like Playboy, to <laughs> women who don't read the articles but look at the pictures of the hot polo players. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe one or two. Maybe. <laughs> one or two. <laughs> <laughs> Me and Jamie. Yeah. <laughs> I think we had polo players in that. Uh, we actually had some polo players that were nominated for the Hottest Horseman, too. Um, well, don't forget the eventers. Don't forget the hunter-jumpers. Well, oh, no, we didn't forget the eventers. Boyd Martin actually won an award. This is a funny story to tell you real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, Jamie called up Boyd and said, you won an award in our contest. Can you come live on our sh- live morning show? He had no idea. So he got on the live morning show, and then Helena's going to tell you the award he won. He won the Best in Breaches Award. <laughs> That's and I could barely talk. I I, uh, Jamie's like, hey, Lena, how about, you know, let's have this Hottest Horseman's. And, oh, you know where it came from, too? It came from the Daniel Stewart uh, interview we did. Oh, yeah, because you thought he was so hot. <laughs> that was the whole thing. The whole thing started. She said, would you do a clinic with uh, Daniel Stewart? So, anyway, long story short, uh, 
I can't. Eat. I see. Look, I get so tongue tied when we start talking about hot horsemen. I can't do it. <laughs> wow. So Boyd's on I the phone. Uh, he's on the uh, phone, and no, neither of us can. I mean, can get an word yeah, out. They, they couldn't like talk. And then Jamie finally tells him he had no idea. He thought he won this great award, and Jamie tells him he won the hottest in breeches. Well, he was teaching a clinic at the time with little kids, so. <laughs> It was it was kind of an awkward moment, let me to say the least. The whole thing was all. I'm sure awkward. he handled it just fine. Yeah, he I'm did. Sure he loved that, and we still actually. pick on him about it too. Yeah. <laughs> but it was a lot of fun. We had a lot of uh, listener contributions. Some people, you know, people voted for uh, Monty Roberts won a category. Huh. Yeah. We redefined the term. Yeah, we he redefined won the term. Dad. He had yeah. like 47 hottest, kids. Oh, I was, I was going to say hottest horse men over 55. No, he won hottest horse dad because he had like 45 uh, 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 foster kids. So right, he, had, right. to, he, he maybe, had to get that. It was just Maybe required. we should rename it, Glenn, to like the senior division or masters. Maybe we masters. Can have masters. Yeah, we can have a masters. Yeah, I like that. Right. I well, think I think can get involved in that, actually. I think we're going to talk about that pretty soon. We need to do that. We usually do it around uh, New Year's. We have our the last show of the year we do on, on uh, Horses in the Morning is that award show. So we'll have to start planning that soon. We're going to talk. Well, I, okay. I would like to know how I could get my hands on a subscription because I'm really starting to dig Sidelines magazine. <laughs> so how well, you know how does the average person? Well, you send me a picture of, of your knee laid up and I'll send you a copy. But <laughs> I in addition to that, <laughs> now how how does everybody else get a subscription? <laughs> Everybody else can subscribe to it online on our website. And actually, I've, I've got to tell you that we're getting ready to launch a brand new website, hopefully in a couple of weeks. We've been working very, very hard on it. Um, you can get an online subscription. You can go to our Facebook page and buy single issues that will come right up on your iPad, which I just got an iPad, and it's a pretty fun way to read it. Mm-hmm. And you can pick it up at the right horse shows and the right tack shops around the country. It's uh, it's pretty widespread. We're more and more on the West Coast in California, and we're all over the East Coast, up and down. So sometimes you got to look for it, but it's it's out there. And once you start reading it, then you want to see what's in the next issue and who we're featuring, who we're talking about. Is, so. it, is it monthly, Erin? Is it mostly what? Is it monthly? Is it a monthly magazine? Oh, yeah, yeah, monthly. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's and, monthly. and I'm just looking here online. I'm at sideline, sidelinesnews.com. And I clicked on subscriptions, and it looks like it's twenty nine ninety five for the year. So that's no big deal. That's right price, and it's a beautiful right. magazine. You know, full color, glossy. You're going to see those polo players in all their finery. <laughs> You're going to see them looking. You good. will. You will. Does and you it can, have a centerfold? One at a time, if you want to. Um, you know what? That might be something we want to work out with you. Centerfold of the month. I don't know. Hottest horseman of the year. Yeah. We should talk about that. We should have 12 <laughs> awards, and you can put a different one in each next year's uh, magazine. I don't know if my editor would go for that, but maybe <laughs> you can convince her. Well, that's Sidelines Magazine. Thank you so much, Aaron, for joining us. We appreciate it. This has been fun. Thank you. I had fun, too. Well, we're back. That was fun. She's a lot of fun. We, we enjoy having Erin on. We're going to try and get her back on more often. It's, you know, that's what it, our shows are about fun. Their magazine's about fun. It's kind of a match. And who knows? Maybe we will get to uh, get together with them to, to work on the Hottest Horseman for 2011 awards. <laughs> well, maybe they'll put out a calendar for us. Ooh, there we go. We can have a calendar. Calendar. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to have to lose a lot of weight, though, if I want to be the hottest host. 
Hottest Horseman host of 2011. <laughs> I'm going to have to lose a lot of weight, I think. Hot, hottest podcast host. But I lost another two pounds since we started a couple weeks ago here in Stable Scoop when Helena talked about nutrition and stuff. Disgusting. I'm down eight pounds. I you're, think you're down, though, too. We're both disgusting. working at it. My wife you're and I were eight, both, I'm two. We're both working at it. Two. I lose weight fairly quickly, though, so i got to admit, I, it's easier you know, for me. You know why? Because it's all hot air and it just, you know. Just comes out. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's speaking of hot air, um, we, let's, uh, we're going to get to our next guest in a minute, Doc Carlton. You're going to want to meet him. He is your Cowboys cowboy. And actually, Jennifer and Helena got a chance to talk to him earlier in the week. So we're going to be bringing him up here shortly. But first, I wanted to talk to you about Equestrian Collections. No hot air there. They really do deliver on what they promise. And if you're looking for anything, you know, we're coming into summertime, whether it's fly sprays or things for the barn or whether Ooh, it's really nice breeches for hot weather riding. Really nice. Nice breeches. Mm-hmm. They carry car- they carry carrots breeches, which my wife has fallen in love with all over again. It has some mm-hmm. new pairs of carrots breeches, so you can find all anything you're going to need for your husband, for your kids, for your horse halters, tack, whatever it is. You'll find it at Equestrian Collections at a price you can afford, and they even make that better and more affordable now by offering you a coupon for just exclusively for our Horse Radio Network listeners. You just put in Radio Show, all one word, Radio Show at check out in the coupon section and you're going to get $10 off your next order of $120 or more. And as we know, it doesn't take long to spend $120 anymore at a tack shop. Two uh, pairs of breeches. That's right. One for Two Saturday, one for Sunday. That's right. And you just got your latest uh, pair of carrots breeches in, so you're anxious to try those out. Oh, yeah. Which ones did you get this time? I got, my, I got microcord again, but this time I got the traditional knee patch versus the uh, boot cut. Oh, that's right. They look oh. more like regular breeches. They're regular breeches. The boot yep. cuts are a wonderful marriage of um, Western riding pants and riding breeches. Yes. Yeah. Yep. It's a hybrid. And very comfortable. And they're awesome. (laughs) And they're not so skin tight uh, that you have to be self-conscious the entire time you're wearing them. Right. Yeah, which which is a concern with some pairs of breeches. Yeah. But you can find it all at equestriancollections.com. And don't forget to follow them on Facebook. Lots of good stuff on their Facebook page. Just search for Equestrian Collections there. Coupon code HORSERADIO at checkout. Save money. There you go. Well, we were at Equine Affair, my wife and I, uh, back up, what, about a month ago? And we were walking around the one day, and we saw this guy walk by us who had the cowboy hat the the walk of a cowboy was wearing spurs had the big belt buckle and the handlebar mustache probably in his 50s he just looked the part of a cowboy and i said look at him he is just a classic it was just one of those people you looked at and went, he's a classic. <laughs> well, then he, I, he walked off a, a, a movie set. Yeah, it was just <laughs> like he had walked off a movie set, an old Western. And I, I, then I, I saw him at a stand later on. I went, Jennifer, that's the same guy. So I went over and talked to him and found out that he is a veterinarian out of Texas, of course. <laughs> Where else would he be out of? Yeah. And he is a classic. And he writes, this is the part that surprised us a little bit. He writes children's books, kids' books. And so we, we decided to have him on. His name is uh, Doc David Carlton. He's a D- DVM, and he holds a doctorate in veterinary medicine from Texas A&M University. He's owned and operated uh, veterinary hospitals for both large and small animals since 1976 and currently practices in Dallas at the Bent Trail Animal Clinic. His wife, Karen, and his son, Kyle, have competed in many equine events uh, with champion Ara- Arabians and quarter horses. By the way, Arabians was not something I expected to see behind Doc Carlton's name. 
<laughs> and he also writes books. So he's, let's. He's get a him. man of mystery. Yes, he's an author. So I can't wait. I haven't got a chance to listen to this interview that you and Helena did yet. So let's take a listen now. So welcome, Doc Carlton. Thank you so much for joining us on Stable Scoop today. I am in particular excited to have you on because I am an avid reader. And when we combine animals and veterinary medicine and farm life with, with books, I think it just doesn't get any better than that. So welcome to Stable Scoop. Oh, thank you very much. Appreciate you having me. Now, I know that Glenn and uh, Jennifer had first discovered you at Equine Affair. <laughs> discovered. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> yeah, really. And, um, and so what were you doing at Equine Affair? Uh, I was up there. I had a booth, and I uh, you know, was exhibiting the books and things like that, and I did some entertainment stuff for them like that. But uh, being an equine practitioner, I felt like that was probably my audience up there. And now you, you've written several books. How many books have you written so far? I have actually six out. I have four in the uh, veterinary series, which is basically animal vet short story books. Mm-hmm. They're real similar to, say, those by James Harriet. I actually got that in the paper not too long ago, Texas James Harriet. So after practicing for 35 years, I decided just to sit down and write all those funny little stories. Oh, my so gosh. I have four in the vet series and two Western novels. I bet you have dozens and dozens and, do- and dozens. Forget dozens. You probably have thousands of stories that you could write That's down. That's pretty much right. I started writing like in 1990, and uh, I wrote for 10 years, just coming in every night and sitting down just like a little exercise program and <clears throat> writing these funny little stories. I had all these kids working for me around the clinics, so it's their fault because <laughs> I was always telling them stories. And they're like, Doc, you got to write these down. <clears throat> and I said, nobody will believe them. And they were like, that's when you got to write them down. You know, <laughs> it's just all the funny little things that happen. I mean, if it can happen, it will. And so I decided I'd just start writing them down. I thought I had three stories. I've probably got 2,000. Oh, wow. 2,000. So you've got plenty of more books yet to write, yeah? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Material's not a problem. You just go to work every day and they walk in the door. And so you're <laughs> still, you're, still you're currently practicing then, right? At, at um, The name of your practice is Bent Trail Animal Clinic? That's correct. That's correct. And it's primarily a small animal practice now. You know, you get older and wiser, you have to come in-house after a little while. Yeah. You know, but I did big ranch work, feedlot work, 25 years of horse practice. Now I'm doing dog and kitty in the city and writing it down. Dog and the kitty in the city. I love it. <laughs> I, is that the next book that's coming out? I like that. No, it should be probably. It should be. <laughs> probably. I've always done a little bit of small animal work. I was doing a spay the other day and I had a new technician in there helping me out. and By the time she got all the monitors hooked up, I was ready to put it in the cage. And she said, you've done these before. And I said, <laughs> yeah, probably about, I don't know how many. So we played the calculator game and probably a little over 40,000, you know, over the years. They accumulate as you go. And the horror stories are the same way. Wow. <laughs> you know, you get most of these stories whether you want them or not. And when they're, well, happy, yeah. they're not funny and 20 years later, you want to go tell everybody you know about it. Now you so, have. Go ahead, Jen. Oh no, you're you're go go for it. I, well, I see that um, that you have uh, that you and your wife Karen, and then you have a son Kyle. You worked with uh, Arabians and quarter horses. That's pretty much correct. I see everything. You know, like in these books. Um, just to give you a quick example, I mean, you're going to go from a crusty old rancher with a foal and a barn fire to a little old lady with a penthouse poodle to a racing mule. 
to an armadillo to a quarter horse to a kitten. I've seen everything from a goldfish from a preschool teacher that swallowed a pebble off the bottom of the bowl to an elephant where I had a client that used to have Circus of the Stars lay over at his winter place. So the stories just kind of pop like that in the books. But uh, my practice, my equine practice, we sat in the middle of uh, between an, an Arabian farm and a quarter horse farm, and we probably bred, I don't know, a thousand mares a year off of both of those. And my wife showed uh, Arabians for years. I called her a barn rat, you know, because she was one of those kids that couldn't afford a horse, but she would go out and ride everybody else's, you know, for them. Oh, the horse industry couldn't function without barn rats. Yeah, yeah, you know. (laughs) I told her we got married one time because her vet bills got too high. So (laughs) I thought I was going to come out on that deal, but I didn't. But, uh, yeah, so we, you know, so in in my market down here, we had a lot of big ranch work. We had stable work, and so it was either one owner, one horse, or it might be a big quarter horse farm, or like the, that Arab farm was a big show farm, and they kept, you know, 30 horses or more on the road consistently, and there was probably 200 broodmakers, and we stood like eight different stallions, and it was pretty much the same thing over at the quarter horse farm, and then I showed Rainers just as a pro-am, just a fun thing, you know, whenever I could, whenever I could get out of town. Now, when you went to competitions, Doc, did you find folks got to know you? Oh, there's Doc, he's here to, here's here to show this weekend. Did they do the famous, oh, while you're here, did you get that when you would compete? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, <laughs> you get that. You can't go to a dinner party without getting that, but that's just part of it. You know, I mean, veterinary med, nowadays it's kind of getting to be more of a job with what it seems like with a lot of these younger kids. But, you know, when I came out, they gave us a roll of baling wire and a bottle of penicillin and a rope so they'd go make a living. So it was a lifestyle. So you never got away from it. I mean, basically, if we were going to the Dairy Queen to get a Coke, we'd have to take two cars because I had a pager on and I was going to get beat before we could you, get a horse. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, and, you know. And like you say, calling me Doc, I had clients for 20 years. I guarantee you they don't know my name. You know, I'd see them in the grocery store, and it was, hey, Doc, how you doing? Hey, Doc. And that's one of the titles of one of the books, because that's all I heard all day long was, hey, Doc, have you called Jones? Doc, are you not to sell that horse up? Hey, Doc, would you mop that up off the floor? So that's my, you know, that's my criteria for one of the titles of one of the books. Maybe I should write a book because I get that a lot. Hey, mom, can you mop yeah. that oh, yeah. off the floor? <laughs> All day long, you know. So you must have, I mean, you, you must have gazillions of stories. How do you decide which ones you're actually going to invest in sitting down to write? Because you've got, you must have so many fans. Well, it really came about, uh, I would, I would remember a story that I wanted to write. I thought, <laughs> okay. And, um, I would start writing that story, and I kept a little pad right alongside my keyboard on my computer. And, and uh, as I started to write that story, I would remember, let's say we were going out to a ranch to do a bunch of tube warming or whatever, but I remembered that you, know, you had to go by Mrs. Jones's house on the way out there. And she had an Dalmatian that would just eat your lunch, you know, and so... I'd just reach over on my pad and I'd write Mrs. Jones's Dalmatian or Henry's Bull or whatever, you know, clicked in my mind related to that story. So one led to and, the other. 
yeah, and then I just go over and I could I could remember. I mean, I lived it, and most of these stories I had totally forgotten because I was just going to work. And so, you know, when I went to that ranch and left, that story was over, and it was really kind of like out of my mind the next like, 15 years. And then, um, but I could remember what they had on, what the weather was like. I could put myself right back in that situation. And so I would just bring that story over and flush it out and start writing it. And then I have a uh, editor out in a uh, publisher called Bridgeline Press out in uh, San Francisco. And um, I'll take those stories. I've got reams of five, 600-page typed stories. Each story is only like, oh, five or six pages long, just quick, funny, little antidote stories. And so what we do now is, is the editor has copies of all these stories as well. And so when we get ready to do a book, we'll go through together and pick out the stories that we want to kind of use, and then we start going back and forth and back and forth until we tighten that story down, and you'll take a 15-page story and convert it into a five-page book chapter. Okay. And so these are like individual little antidote, funny, five-page, quick stories that just, you know, just pop. And it's kind of like following me around the clinic, you just go from one room to the next or one ranch to the next. Or uh, My typical day is, you know, I'm talking to somebody on the phone about a broodmare problem, and I look up, and I've got a hamster and a tomcat and a rottweiler coming through the front door and a load of calves <laughs> going around to the back barn. That is and such so an awesome look. I wear lots look. of different hats in, during the day. <laughs> now, as, now, because you've you've treated all different kinds of animals, I have to ask this. Are there certain stereotypes about animals breeds or species that you find to be absolutely true like uh, for example um when i worked as a vet tech in college i i feared the little dogs much much more than the big dogs are there any stereotypes sure. you found to be absolutely 100 percent true uh no that's true i think that's true the little dogs they don't have any handles on them no. You can't grab a hold of them anywhere. <laughs> They'll chew you up before you can blink. I think the worst injury I've treated, you know, 2,000-pound bulls. And we used to tube worm, you know, 5,000 head a year. So you got every horse in the world. And they don't want, you know, we're not there to do something to them that they're going to like. Let's put it that way. And they know it. Yeah, and they know it. Oh, I got them. They recognize my truck. You know, my truck drives up to the front of a stable and all the horses stick their heads out of the stall. And as I start to kind of walk down the barn aisle, as I pass their stall, you can hear them back up and just go, man, he didn't want me. Yep. (laughs) So they know. Uh, They can recognize a truck a mile away. But, uh, yeah, different, you know, every animal is different. Every one of them has their own personality. And, uh, you know, they're just like kids. You can raise two of them in the same house and one's like night and day. It's true. So, so what critter gave you your your most memorable injury? Probably about a one pound kitten. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> no, I mean this thing came up me like a Tasmanian. I just reached down to pet him on the table, and he came up like you know just came across me like a Tasmanian devil, and it was kind of like trying to swat a mosquito in the middle of the night when you can hear him and you can't see him. <laughs> 
and he just ripped me to shreds and, you know, then kind of got back on the table and looked at me like, you want some more of this? And the woman's <laughs> screaming, don't hurt my cat. And there's blood all over the room. And I looked at her and I said, there's not a drop of that blood belongs to that cat. It's all mine. <laughs> you know, and I swatted and everything else trying to get him off of me. And I couldn't even shake him loose. So like I say, you can deal with a 2,000-pound bull or, you know, knock on wood, I never really got hurt bad. You know, I've been thrown out of stalls and everything else, but you always have an exit point. But that kitten just chewed me all to pieces, you know. Mm. Uh, so you never know. You reach down for a little, you know, miniature pincher that's got the Napoleon syndrome and thinks he's a great Dane, and he'll chew you up one side and down the other before you can blink. So it's all, and most of the time that I ever got bit or kicked or anything else, it was usually probably my fault. You know, moving too fast, moving trying to do something to them they don't want, and boom, you're going to get nailed. It's kind of like my dad said one time, especially in the horse practices, is you mess with those horses long enough, one of them's going to mess with you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. True. Yeah. And they will. They yeah. will. It's, it's the odds. So if you have, um, if you wanted to get a message out to pet owners or anybody who owns an animal and takes care of it, there's one thing that you really want people to understand, you really want them to know. What would you say? What would you tell them? Well, that's a tough question. I'm trying to think. <laughs> we have the tough questions here on Stable Scoop. <laughs> <laughs> We're hard hitting. Well, yeah. Uh, like you know, you know, basically, it's it's you know, use your common sense. You know, more than anything else, and that's what I get across to people. You know, animals are animals, and they don't reason. You can't sit down and go through a psychology session with them. You know, basically, they respond to positive, negative praises and things like that. But um, most people panic. Most people don't think. You know, you got a horse that's cut. You know, they're on the phone calling me like it's a nine one one call, and rather than you know wrapping it with a bandage and stopping the bleeding until we can get there and do what we've got to do. So, you know, a lot of times people just don't think. They don't use their common sense. Uh, All right. In, that's, I think know, that's traumatic, a... In traumatic situations. Yeah. So it's good to do a drill. It's good to have your ducks in a row then before you... Uh... Oh, yeah. Always I, anticipate I can see the worst. It now. That, that way it'll never really happen. I can... Right. I, I, exactly. Like never, yeah. I would never walk in a stall that I didn't have an exit route. I don't care if it's even my horse because that's an animal and that horse can kill you in a heartbeat. Not that they would, but it's just the fact that, you know, something else might spook him, something totally unrelated to you being in the fall or, you know, so always you develop a, as a veterinarian, you, you for sure develop a real sixth sense of feel, touch, all your senses are working all of the time, smells, taste. You know, I, I never walk by a horse that I don't have a hand on, that I'm not at least uh, maybe not necessarily really touching, but I'm going to know where that, I'm going to know where he can go before I go up by him. Right. Yeah, so I, I'm, I have a vision right now. We're going to be seeing on YouTube within the next 30 days, there's going to be a small demographic of the, nine to 12 year old pet loving set that will have heard doc say, you know, be prepared. And then Helena says, yeah, you should have a run through. 
Soccer mom is going to come home with an armload of groceries. She opens the front door, and there's Fluffy, covered in ketchup with a couple of rolls of toilet paper wrapped around various appendages. And the 7 to 12-year-old set that's in the living room with him is saying, but Helena said we should have a run-through in case of an emergency. And I think that's a, And you know what? God bless those kids that do that because they're the ones who are going to grow up. <laughs> they're little the veterinarians next, in training. To be the next docs. <laughs> Really? Yeah. That's right. Well, we need we need all of them we can get. There's That's a big shortage right, right now. I can I can seriously see Gracie doing animal. that. What oh, do you yeah. mean see her doing it? She's already done it. She's like, Mom, you know, let's do a little bathroom surgery. She wants to cut the cat's nails. She wants to, you know, heaven forbid one of the horses has a boo-boo. She's got to be there putting the goop on it. And, you know, oh, yeah. Rabbit. Or it'll be their teddy bear, you know, yeah. has bandages on every leg. Yep. You know, which is fine. At least they know how to put on a bandage. That's well, right. she's already gone and got the needle and thread. You know, she's she's I had a neurosurgeon one time call me, and and his horse had gotten cut really bad and was bleeding. The leg, you know, was tore all to pieces. And I said, uh, you know, I'm 20 minutes from you. Put a bandage on it, and he goes, bandage. And I'm like, yeah, you know how to put a bandage on? You know, anything, wrap it, stop the bleeding. And I'll be there in a minute. But that panic, I guess, had set in, and this was a neurosurgeon. Of course, he probably hadn't put a bandage on in 20 years. That's yeah, true. He walked in and did surgery and walked out. But, you know, you'd think, especially with that kind of training, you'd at least have the common sense to not panic, you know. Uh, I guess common sense isn't so common. Uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> I, hey, who created that lady, term anyway? I had a lady in the clinic the other day, and I heard a raising cane at the front desk, and I went up there, and I said, what seems to be the problem? She says, well, uh, this ear medicine that you gave me two weeks ago for my dog is, is worthless. It's not working, and his ears are worse. And so I said, well, let me see what I gave you, because I didn't, hadn't pulled her medical chart or anything. So she handed me a tube, so I unscrewed the little nozzle off the end of the tube and poked a hole in the foil. It had it sealed and put the lid back on and handed it back to her and said, maybe it'll work a little better now. <laughs> oh, that's... Oh. <laughs> so oh, okay. that's, that's my day. That's, yeah, all right. And do you, so do you, go, do you drink a lot? <laughs> <laughs> it'll make you pull your hair out after a little while. Oh, I, that's why he's wearing that cowboy hat. That's right. That's right. You know, I tell people out up front, you know, that, you know, I'm not a heart doctor. I'm not a, you know, brain doctor. I'm not a surgeon or ENT. I'm not a, you know, dentist or anatomist or histologist or pathologist or physiologist or pharmacologist or toxicologist. You know, I'm not a psychiatrist and, a, you know, a sociologist. And, you know, I'm not even a psychotic you know, I'm not a pediatrician or a podiatrist or proctologist or GYNOB. I'm all of those things. I'm what you call one of them real doctors that treats more than one species, you know. I'm mm. a veterinarian. You bring it in, we call it practice for a reason, and we treat it. So we see everything you can imagine. And, and the funny part about it is that I've never had an animal come into me alone. They always <laughs> bring these two-legged things with them. So I've had doctors tell me, I guess you went to veterinary medicine so you wouldn't have to put up with people. And I said, wait a minute. <laughs> I've never had an animal show. I did bring the whole family. And we've got Aunt Lulu on the phone in Colorado because her horse had the same symptoms about 12 years ago. <laughs> and that's my day. Or they come in with a stack of Internet notes. Oh. Um, diagnosis for their animal. Of course, it's not the problem with the animal to begin with, but the notes are kind of cool. 
You know, and that's something you you brought up a really good point. You you forget, I guess. Uh, I always thought, well, veterinarians, yeah, you you want to work with animals, you want to be an animal doctor, but that doesn't mean you don't have to deal with the people. Hmm. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. And sometimes, even like my stories, you know, or sometimes they're as much about the rancher as they are the animal, because, like I say, personalities. You think people, like I said. don't look like they're animals, you know, kind of thing, mm-hmm. or don't act like they're animals. And, uh, you know, I tell people right up front in these stories that uh, I've treated everything that bites, stings, or crawls, and that includes my clients in some days <laughs> when I make that comment. You know, you, you walk out in the barn, and, uh, you know, there he stands right in front of you, and he's got an old sway back and a pod belly and got arthritis in the left rear and, got a notch out of his right ear and a cataract in the left eye and kind of a single tooth, you know, right up front. And, you know, that pretty well describes the rancher. Yeah, I was going to say, it sounds like my neighbor. <laughs> then you turn yeah. around and you look at the horse and, he, you know, he's sway-backed and pot-bellied and got a single <laughs> tooth and a cataract. And and uh, you start looking at him going, hmm, which one of these am I supposed to be treating? <laughs> well, you know, you end up, you treat the horse and somehow you end up treating the rancher as well, huh? Oh, yeah. Or, you know, a lady comes in, has got a big old cat, big old Persian. This just happened the other day. And, and uh, this, you know, you think these animals can't really talk, but, you know, she's just, the owner's panicked because I think the cat blew, threw up a hairball or something, and she's panicking. And she rushes the cat in, you know, like an emergency, and sets him on the counter, and I examine the cat, and the cat's normal. And I uh, look at the owner, and I, you know, kind of ask her what seems to be the real problem. And the cat's sitting there, and the cat meows, and then looks at me as if to say, you know, if you just get rid of her, I'd be perfectly all right. And this is what I get all day long. Smart cat. Smart cat. Uh-huh. Yeah, sometimes they're smarter than we are. <laughs> well, uh, you know what? I think more than sometimes, very often, most times, we have so, so yeah. much to learn from them. That, well, that's listen. Very true. I, you know, I could sit here and listen to your stories all day, so I guess I'm going to have to go out and get the books because I would love to just totally immerse myself in, in the stories of your day. Uh, what's the latest book that's out now, and where can people get your books? Well, the latest one, there's actually four books, and it's somewhat of a series. The first one is called Dallas Doc. The second one is Texas Doc. The third one is Hey Doc. And the fourth one is called Country Doc. And we're working on a fifth right now. It's just going to be called Doc. And the books can be bought online at uh, www.dallasdoc.net. Dallasdoc.net. We'll put a link to that. The fun part about it is these are all uh, uh, on the... uh, I was out here selling to all these ranchers, all these dads and granddads. My oldest client is 92 years old. And now the books are on this accelerated reader program for middle school where they read and get points on their AR grades, which is kind of a national reading program through the schools. So now they're going through all of the middle, intermediate, high schools, all the way up to granddaddy. So you can go from a fourth grader, fourth, fifth. They're actually set on a sixth grade level. But you can go from a fifth, fourth, fifth, sixth grader, ten, eleven, and twelve-year-old kid to a ninety-year-old rancher, and so it's a—it's the, the kind of books that you can literally go from granddaddy to grandkid. That's everything fabulous. in between. It That's make really, any really. Nice. I, I would definitely. Everybody. 
I would definitely encourage people to visit DallasDoc.net, and we will put a link to that at StableScoop.com because there are uh, some previews of these stories. And honestly, when you read a couple of these paragraphs, you get sucked right in. You're definitely going to want to read more. So um, I want to say a great big thank you to Doc Carlton for joining us today. And uh, go to StableScoop.com so you can find links as to where you can purchase these books because I think they're going to be not only worth it to read, but worth it to have in your family because, like you said, it's something that the whole family can enjoy and definitely something that you're, you're going to want to pass down from generation to generation. So thanks again, Doc. My pleasure. I appreciate you guys having me. We'll do this again. All right. I hope so. Well, thank, thank you very much to Doc. We appreciate it. I hope he doesn't take offense to me saying that he looks like the stereotype of a cowboy just walking up a movie set. I, uh, no offense there, Doc. I, I was a compliment. <laughs> so uh, we'll be back again next week. And don't forget, to you can hear Jennifer on the morning show at HorsesInTheMorning.com. She produces that show every morning from 9 a.m. to 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time. Yeah, I'm, the, I'm the feedback and the clicking and the buzzing. That's right. She's... <laughs> And the other thing we wanted to mention is that we put out a special episode on the Stable Scoop feed this week on all our shows about the um, about the virus that's going around, and and we 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 spent a half an hour with a doctor out of California talking about this and trying to trying to just get the facts and the details rather than some of the hysteria that's happening now. So if you haven't listened to that episode, go to StableScoop.com. You'll see it on there. It's the uh, the EHV-1 uh, virus episode. Take a listen to that. It's about a half an hour, and I think it's worth a listen to. Uh, it might clear up some of the myths and misconceptions that people are hearing now through through all kinds of sources. Uh, don't panic, people. Don't panic. Just be smart. Don't panic. Wash your hands. Yeah. Just be smart about what you're doing, and I think you'll be fine. All right. That's it. We'll be back again next week, Helene and I, with another new episode. We have some great guests lined up over the next couple of weeks. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Jennifer, for filling in. Ta. 